1: Hello and welcome to the Giants Splash. I'm Henry Schulman here with John Shea and we cover the Giants for the San Francisco Chronicle. Today we offer our thoughts on the 2020 season, the highs and lows. We look ahead to 2021 and give fans some insight on what it was like to cover ball in the year of COVID. Well, hi, John. How are you doing and how's it, how are things up in the North Bay? Are, are you smoked out out there? Not totally, but getting there. It's a wacky time, but
0: Baseball all day, every day.
1: I know. It's a eight different games, life here, right? Eight games eight, ga- eight games on Wednesday. I mean, what did you do? Did you sit there with the, uh, you know, flipping around? I guess you were doing some A's stuff. so you couldn't.
0: Yeah, I focused on the A's, but, you know, I kind of got there early to see some early stuff, got there late to see some late stuff. And uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's amazing, but it's hard, man. I've never, never seen so many baseball games in one day. It's never happened in the postseason. I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, yeah. no, it can't. Yeah. Unless, unless we have the same format every year.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. possible. You know, yeah, I don't know if we're going to have 16 teams next year. I mean, I, I do think we're going to have expanded playoffs because, um, you know, the, the national TV money is really where it's at for the owners. And uh, I, I think if they could do some sort of deal with the players to, uh, you know, maybe have a little bit more of a postseason, a little bit less of a uh, regular season, I think the players would be on board with that. Well, it's hard to go back. Once you experience this
0: and the owners say, well, more money with 16 teams and there's more focus uh, with the fan base, if there are more teams involved in playoff races, it's hard to go back. and That's why I think you're going to probably see a DH next year because yeah. it's hard to go back. That's probably why you're going to see uh, a lot of these rule changes that were supposedly temporary. But I think in 2021, if they play 162, you'll see a lot. Of, maybe not the seven inning
1: double headers but certainly a lot of the others. No, but, uh, you know, in fact, Manfred has said a couple of times that uh, he thinks that the thing that's most likely, li- likely to stay is the, uh, is the one thing I think the fans hate, which is starting the runner on second base in extra innings. I mean, yes. I don't know if you're a fan of that. I mean, I'm always a fan of getting out of there, you know, before the 18th <laughs> inning. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know if I'm a – I mean, I'm not, look, I'm a National League guy. I grew up a National League guy. I can live with the DH. I didn't have any problem with the universal DH. I think I'd have a problem with, you know, starting every extra inning with a guy on second. I don't know. How do you feel about that?
0: Well, when Madison Bumgarner told me in his last year as a giant that he just threw up his arms, says, I don't really care anymore. I mean, he got his end right? He yeah. won his silver sluggers and all that, hit some home runs. And when I asked him about a universal universal DH, he said, well, I don't care. You know, because he's almost so fed up in all the talk and, and one league has this, the other league has that. Will it be universal? Wipe it out entirely. He just says, whatever. And I think that's that's the case now for everybody. I mean, once they put in all these new rules and said, we're going to play 60, that universal DH, which in a normal time would be massive headlines all over the country, was yeah. nothing but a sidebar or a little uh, note hidden in the back of the sports sections or buried on the Internet. Uh, uh, posts but uh i i just see that a year uh i mean we saw it uh we saw it the other day with the giants and padres where the padres lost their dh and they had to have a couple of relievers step up there and they were told not to do anything
1: right I mean, strike guy, one strike two there.
0: strike three and yeah. just be a statue and a whole year will go by without any of these guys picking up bats and owners and gms will realize that safety first and let's not you know blow out a hammy with a guy running to first even though these guys should be in good enough shape not to blow out a hammy running to first or not to uh, mess up uh, anything with your body on a swing you know but you know the fact is it happens and if you yeah. invest 20 million dollars on a guy it's 20. so i think that's going to be back to which is unfortunate. I would rather see the two different sets of rules.
1: Yeah, but, you know, uh, by the way, just a a little note that just was passed to me, Santiago Casillo was just elected to the Hamstring Hall of Fame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Giants fans fans will get that. They'll they'll remember. Uh, Just stand there, Santiago. Don't swing. And whatever you do, if the ball hits your bat, don't run. Yeah. Um, Hey, you know, we've got got a lot to talk about in terms of the Giants season. Uh, One one of the questions I get asked so, so often, though, just to take a step back is what it was like covering baseball. And, um, it, you know, it was weird. I mean, just to give a little bit of a, just a little bit of a primer, the way, the way it worked uh, was uh, especially, you know, this started in the summer camp. I mean, we had to park our cars every day. We had to go then, then go get a daily press pass. We, we, we weren't given our universal press pass for, for, for the whole season. Then we had to uh, fill out a form on our phones every day to say we didn't have COVID symptoms. We had to get our temperatures checked and then we had to go in the stadium and we were only allowed to go. We had to take a certain route to get to a certain place in the stadium that we couldn't, um, you know, that we couldn't stray from. We had to do all of our interviews via zoom. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't have, I, I saw Dwayne Kuiper for one minute in the car as our cars passed. And that's, that's, the only person in the giants world that I actually saw personally Um, and, uh, you know, then you had to write your stories. You had to wait till the Zooms were over afterwards. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but in a way I found this, you know, even though there was no travel, I found this like harder in a lot of ways. Uh, just, it seemed like, it seemed like it would be easier just the old way where you'd show up at the ballpark, hang out in the clubhouse, talk to the manager, go upstairs, write your story. And, you know, then, uh, you know, the game's over, then you talk to the players again and you write your story and you go home. And it really wasn't like that this year. Well, the beauty of baseball is the access and the intimacy of getting
0: to know the players so you could tell their stories, the relationships. And that's the beauty of baseball coverage. It always has been, maybe more so than football and maybe even basketball, is the storytelling and the access from day one of spring training where you're standing on the field and watching these guys hit uh, and hanging out at their locker to have them tell these stories that maybe haven't been told and now you can relay them to the readers to the fans to the folks who buy tickets so they know who they're rooting for or who they're not rooting for and that helps because it, it, there is a connection there with baseball players more than any other sport football you have to be 300 pounds in some cases basketball you have to be 6 foot 8 in some cases but baseball you could be the guy next door and you could be a major league because uh, it doesn't matter you just have to have good hand-eye coordination and a hell of a lot of talent but it was weird because I was so used to a routine for decades and decades four hours before the game you show up like clockwork the clubhouse opens you're in there you have some access time with the manager with the players and now I just never knew when to get to the game I didn't know whether I should be there four hours or four minutes before the game starts because it really didn't matter. You didn't have the access anyway, unless you wanted to see some BP or anything. But, uh, I mean, there were times I just didn't know when to leave. I I showed up and the press passes weren't even ready yet. I had to wait outside the window. I said, okay, I don't know how this works. And then uh, eventually I started saying, well, why don't I just show up at game time because there's no access anyway. And the Zoom calls are so darn early in the day. uh, You know, that's the way Gabe Kepler rolls and it could be, hey, something's happened in four minutes, be on Zoom, or something's happened in 45 minutes. So it was, you're right, a longer day, maybe a harder day, but hey, it's not digging ditches, there's no complaints, but it was just so weird.
1: Well, I think, I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't think the, you know, fans really care about whether our days are easy or whether our days are hard. Uh, I think they do care about the kind of information we can provide, and uh, it's like you said. Number one, you, you know, you don't get in depth with with the players um, the way you do when you go talk to them every day. But I thought, you know, especially from the the fan standpoint, you know, the service to our readers, the thing that you miss by not being in there is being able to get the temperature of the clubhouse. Like for instance, uh, after opening day, when Sam Coonrod wouldn't kneel uh, for the you know for that ceremony for Black Lives Matter, or or later when the Dodgers decided to postpone that game, or even you know, after a three- or four-game losing streak or losing some of those tough games the last week of the season, you you know, you really want to – you can get a feel for what the club is is feeling, whether they're still a little optimistic, whether they feel doomed. And the only way you can do that is actually by being in the room. And, you know, I I hope that we get that back. It just seems like in in baseball writing and in other sports writing, whenever whenever some access is taken away, um, it never seems to come back. And uh, I had Austin Slater tell me, you know, he's the player rep. And I, I told him that fear at the beginning of the season. And he said, no, no, the players realize that, you know, you guys in the media do a great job of telling our stories. And uh, I think you'll get it back. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much clubhouse time we're going to get in the future. And, and for you guys listening, I mean, I, I, think that, I think that's a diminished thing. And what's the most
0: popular question on Zoom? What's the clubhouse like? Mm -hmm. What's the clubhouse? Because we didn't know. We never asked that question before because we would go in the clubhouse and we knew what the clubhouse was like. Because after that last game, when their season was shattered and a win could have gotten them into the postseason and they just didn't get it done, everyone wanted to know hey, what's the clubhouse like? How how are they taking this? And everybody was asked that question. And and you're right. I don't, you know, international rules state that you don't have any pregame. Clubhouse privileges, you know, with the WBC uh, and, uh, you know, the Olympics, any kind of international ball at all, um, they just bring the player out and uh, the clubhouse is sacred. You don't go in there. And hey, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to that point. You're right. It doesn't go back. I remember Bud Sindic was always so pro BBWAA, so pro baseball access. Well, one year he just negotiated uh, a heck of a lot of the pregame access away. Uh, because the union wanted to uh, take it away, and um, Selig said, "Okay, go ahead." And you know, he was, you know, looking for something else to to get out of him. So he said, "Okay, you could have that." But anyway, we've never gotten that back, and who knows? We might never not ever get this back. And Zoom might be a more popular thing, or whatever the technology of the day is going to give us. But uh, it, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, I, I think for the most part players don't mind the access it's limited it's only maybe 45 minutes out of their day and they can hide anyway they can go back but those who want to tell their stories and I mean look at Liam Hendricks of the Oakland A's he's such a fabulous personality and character and a heck of a closer and uh, he's just begging to have his story told I remember going up to him a few times he'd stand up shake your hand and and always talk about his uh, charity and hey, anyway, I said, man, why, why are you always so accessible? He said, man, anytime I could be in the paper, or have my name in the headline, it's going to help what I'm doing off the
1: field with yeah. uh, you know, different endeavors. I said, OK, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, all those times I went up to Aubrey Huff and he just wanted to talk about his charity. <laughs> all right. Well, 10 minutes talking about our processes. Uh, I think the fans have had enough of that. The listeners. Let's just talk Giants. OK, so. Yeah, one game missing the playoffs. A uh, lot of anger toward the manager and Sam Coonrod for that Friday night game. I think the general theme is that the Giants overachieved uh, at 29 and 31. I think the over-under line in, in Vegas uh, was, I don't know, what, 23 wins or something like that. And yet yet there was still a lot of disappointment that they couldn't just win one more game in that final week to, um, you know, to get into the playoffs. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, how do you think – How do you think the 2020 season, I mean, aside from all the COVID stuff, is just going to be remembered in Giants lore?
0: Well, I think this season was really three seasons. I remember how awful things were when they were 8-16 and and they couldn't pick up a ground ball, they couldn't run the bases, and they couldn't get anybody out. And suddenly they turned it around. Players started getting set positions, and Dubon was your center fielder, and uh, Flores, and... uh, uh, Solano stopped playing the left side of the infield and uh, people understood maybe their defensive roles and what they were doing uh, in the lineup and maybe even in the bullpen to an extent and then they started turning it around and went 21 and 12 you know that's my second season well the third season was when they finished 0-3 I mean they right, were in right. a spot after that first game of that doubleheader on the final Friday all they had to do was win one of the last three games and you know, loss, 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 uh, the Coon Rod and they couldn't score or do anything against the Padres in the final weekend. And that's how I remember it because we, we just wrote them off when they were eight and 16. This is who they are. You know, this was expected. They weren't supposed to be any good and they're eight and 16. Of course they are. Then 21 and 12. Oh my gosh. You know, Gabe Kapler, man, these coaches, uh, Zaidi, it, it, it works. What they're doing works. 13 coaches and all these buckets in the bullpen and, and there's no closer, but everyone's versatile. Everyone's flexible. And then Oh, and three and it all collapsed. So that's how I remember it.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the thing that I'm thinking about is uh, I think a lot of people are saying this is a step forward in the rebuild. And in a way it was because they identified some relievers for the future. Uh, they showed that Dubon could, you know, be a, be a center fielder, be an everyday center fielder in the majors. And uh Joey Bart got his first taste, but I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I think this was just such a strange year with everything going on and mainly the inability of, uh, you know, maybe some of the prospects to get a full minor league season. I, I think, I think in some ways it may be sort of like a neutral step because really, I mean, the giants are only going to be perennial contenders again when uh, Bart is the everyday catcher, Marco Luciano is the everyday shortstop, Elliot Ramos Alexander Canario are going to be in the outfield. Uh, Hunter Bishop is going to be in the outfield. Patrick Bailey is going to be here. And, uh, you know, it's just hard for me to say that a team that uh, went from, you know, however many losses they had last year to one game under five hundred. it's hard for me to say that's a that in itself is a huge step forward because I think a lot of it's going to depend on, um, you know, how quickly these prospects get up here. And I have a story that's, uh, that was posted uh, Friday morning uh, about – uh, you know, how, how some of the prospects may get up here sooner. I, I think 2021 is really going to be um, a key, key year, I mean, to determine whether uh, this rebuild is really going to be a four-year thing or a five-year thing mm-hmm. or whether it you will know, be a six-year thing or even a rebuild at all. Um, I mean, I think they definitely have the prospects to make it interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, one, one, one interesting thing is that you are writing a, a story, I think it's going to be in a Sunday paper, uh, about the the whole closing situation and it, it's interesting because the you know in nowadays in modern analytic baseball the, the the closer role itself is not considered as important as it was but I think we saw with the Giants this year that they you know they you have different guys out there you had Taylor uh Tyler Rogers you had Coonrod you had uh a whole you know a whole bunch of guys uh Harleen Garcia closing out games Tony Watson Trevor Gott closing, closing out games and uh I mean, what's your conclusion on that without giving away your story? Well, if you look at the saves leaders in Major League Baseball, the top
0: nine save leaders for 2020 are all in the playoffs. So, <laughs> uh, which which hey, you got to have a lot of wins to get a lot of saves. But the fact is, a closer solidifies a bullpen in ways that we just didn't see with these giants because it was a free for all, right? It might've been organized according to the manager based on pregame discussions and how it played out. But for the naked eye of those watching from the press box or on TV, it was kind of a mishmash. It was, well, who's, who's available today? Who's going to close? Who's going to be high leverage? Who's going to be bulk and that the starters didn't provide any length, especially early, you know, quality starts just wasn't in their vocabulary. They didn't have any until uh, a few weeks in. It was just difficult for the bullpen to last and uh, they didn't. So uh, even though at the end, what they had like a two five five ERA since August 9th, best in the majors, it it still didn't seem like it was uh, functional with out a closer and I guess I'm writing they should have a closer next year, whether they create one or bring one in, because it solidifies not only the bullpen, but the rotation because they know maybe their good deeds won't go wasted with shenanigans in the ninth inning or even the offense, knowing that, hey, if we got a 5-4 lead, we can be comfortable with our guy instead of, well, who's coming in from the bullpen today? So I am kind of making a case that the Giants should have a closer, even though we never even heard – that word closer uh, by Gabe Kapler this year because he didn't have one plus he talked more about high leverage and of course a high leverage situation in the seventh could be bigger than in the ninth Eckersley closed out saves when he had a three run cushion and it was strike one, strike two, strike three and his setup guys maybe did tougher work, Rick Honeycutt and, and Nelson and those guys in the seventh and eighth inning because maybe three, four fives coming up and you got a couple runners on yeah that's more high leverage but you got to be a strong dude in the ninth, as David Rughetti told me, not everyone could be a closer because you're going to tighten up and you know, you just can't handle that. you got to yeah. be able to handle that. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, um, you know, uh, we, we have some more to cover. I mean, I have some topics that just popped in my head, like covering, uh, like most memorable moments needs for mm. 2021, um, <laughs> 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 possible free agents. Uh, why, why don't we talk about Let's that? Uh, after this brief message. henry shulman this is john shea we cover the giants for the chronicle and uh you know we're doing our little our own little season postmortem here and uh i was just kidding before the break I mean, john came up with uh, some of these things to talk about and these are all important things to talk about uh, i mean we, we need to talk about the needs for 2021 but let's just sort of uh let's just sort of close the door on 2020 you you you, you want to know what the most memorable moment is uh, I think I have one in my mind what, what do you think yours is
0: you know what I, I I I looked over you know Yastrzemski heck of a year Willie Mack award uh, uh, Dubon doing all this stuff and certain guys really uh, you know Solano with the batting crown uh, it, just all kinds of stuff but I <laughs> I look back at something off the field uh, you know Gabe Kapler taking a knee you know, I just thought that was powerful stuff. No manager had ever done it, and the fact that he kind of led this little pursuit of, you know, pro, a peaceful protest of uh, racial inequality and police brutality—it's just not something that was, you know. Although I covered Bruce Maxwell well with the A's and yeah. the day he took a knee and interviewed him many times, and was you know wrote in columns how supportive I was, and that was pretty cool what he did, and it cost him his career. But everyone joined Kapler, Yastrzemski and Slater, and Jalen Davis when he was here, and Pablo, and Dubon, all these guys. And it just, uh, I just thought it was uh, was it a, an important, powerful thing that Gabe Kapler will be known by. He's taken a lot of abuse across the country. Uh, people just maybe either don't agree or don't understand what, what uh, this pursuit is, but I thought uh, uh, it was pretty commendable. Yeah. I
1: mean, it's one thing for a second string catcher to do it. It's another Mm -hmm. thing for for one of the 30 major league managers to do it. Uh, I have like one off the field and on the field highlight. My, my, uh, on the field highlight would have to be the, the Yastrzemski walk-off homer uh, against Matt Strom of the Padres, uh, because it was his second homer of the game. And uh, you know, they only ended up beating the Padres, what, twice all year, three times all Mm -hmm. year. Uh, so, I mean, I th- on the field, I thought that was the highlight. But off the field, uh, I'm, I'm going to go in a similar direction as, as you. And and to me, it was Alyssa co- uh coaching oh. first base in, uh, in spring training. Um, I mean, I, I think that was an incredible uh, statement to make. And, uh, I mean, there was no situation where Antoine Richardson had to go off and do like a graduation. You know, like Roberto Kelly went to his uh, daughter's graduation. So they had to have, you know, somebody else coach first base for two days, but that could happen next year. And, and we could very well see a woman coaching uh, first base uh, in a, in a major league game. And, and even though she wasn't supposed to be in the dugout during the games, (laughs) she was, and, and uh, you could look into the dugout and, um, you know, you, you, you could see her there. And she was part of this thing right here. And look, you could be cynical and say that they had to hire a woman to help the help Gabe Kapler with his, quote unquote woman problem, it seems like a million years ago that, um, you know, people were really mad that he was hired because they they thought that he uh, overlooked, uh, you know, a couple of sexual assault cases, which weren't really sexual assault cases when they were brought to the Dodgers. But I mean, we had a lot of women saying they were never going to go to a Giants game again as long as, hmm. as Gabe Kapler, I mean, you know, was still manager. And you, you could be cynical about that. And I'm not saying people shouldn't have their opinions on it. But... One way or another, whatever the reason, there was a woman in a coaching box in in um you know in a in a uh, in a game you know, and and I think that uh, I think that the Giants will end up being the first person to have one in a regular season game, and and that to me was you know was a big memorable moment. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think she, she was like my favorite coach. I mean, I I
0: interviewed her in spring training. Probably my last one-on-one interview was a day before everything stopped, and I I, I was amazed and. I just felt this woman is going to be a base coach, or uh, maybe she'll lead the way to a woman down the road becoming a manager. Who knows? But yeah. it was all together for her, it's so much pressure on her, and she just poo-pooed all that and said, hey, I, I'm doing my job, period. And you know what Brandon Crawford said? said it should be a non-story, and he's absolutely right. Why? Why shouldn't there be? a woman coach in major league, major league baseball. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's just ridiculous that we haven't seen one until now Yeah. and the respect that she received from, especially the veteran players, Crawford and, and Pence and even, you know, guys who, you know, you, you would think, man, this is just a prototypical baseball player, Jeff Samarja, you know, uh, all in just, just, uh, you know, the, the heck with tradition, you know, it's 2020. It's, um, you know, let, let's keep, let's be real. Let's, let's, uh, you know, let, let, let's let let it happen. Come on. I mean, wh- why hasn't it happened? And that was Crawford's point, but yeah. it was just yeah. a, such a cool thing to look down to that dugout. And we, you're right. We were told all throughout spring training, oh, she, she's going to be down in the batting cage. Well, she was right there and she wasn't hiding it and um, nobody was hiding it. And it was just a great thing.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So I guess the question now comes up as to which players she'll be coaching in 2021. Um, you know, I'm going to start out with something controversial, uh, and, and that is, you know, the Giants have – I mean, we, we know that, the, that uh, Drew Smiley and Kevin Gosman are going to be free agents, so they're free to go off and do what they want to do, and, you know, the Giants want them back. Um, but, you know, they, they have a couple of uh, arbitration-eligible guys, three, for instance, uh, Tyler Anderson, the pitcher. Uh, Alex Dickerson, and uh, Donovan Solano, and uh, I'm going to make a prediction here that, you know, maybe two of those guys or even all three get non-tendered and become free agents just because not, well, hold on, hold the phone here. Not because I don't think the Giants uh, don't want them back, but I think we're going to see a thing with tons of non-tenders that you wouldn't ordinarily see because uh, arbitration players get a lot of money um, and uh, they get significant raises, and this is a year where you know, revenues in baseball are down, you know, if you believe the team 70% to, you know, 50 to 70%. And uh, I think teams are going to cynically non-tender these guys and tell them, look, we'd like to have you back, but we're not going to have you back at this figure. We're going to have you back at a lower figure. And, uh, you, know, would, you know, would you willing to be play ball, play ball with us? And if not, then we're going to send you into a free agent market where you're not going to get that much as we're offering you. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I, I suspect it might.
0: Wow, that's such a need in all three cases, Yeah, Anderson, Dickerson, and Solano in different ways. I mean, Dickerson finally healthy, and kind of a team leader, Uh, and I mean, he might have gotten a vote or two for the Willie Mack Award. Who knows? Um, Like I said, Solano fighting for the batting crown, and Anderson was the only guy to throw a complete game. And it's uh, it, it, it would be far-fetched in any other year, but I guess you're right. it's such a whole new world that financially teams will be looking because they didn't get the fan revenue that they were hoping for. They're just getting the big revenue from you know playoff and TV and all that. But that's well, interesting, man.
1: well you have you have my comments on record, and they will be on record until December first, because on December second, that's the non-tender deadline, and if I'm wrong, I'm scrubbing this entire podcast off the face of the uh, internet. Um, so nobody can say I said it. Um, but, but needs, you know, you're just talking about needs. Okay, I mean, Farhan Zaidi identified some. Uh, they're going to look for starters. They need a left-handed bat. They need some veteran relief, particularly right-handed. They need catchers. They're, they're talking about increasing the catching depth so they don't have to, um, you know, necessarily put Joey Bart on the roster for opening day. They want the option to send him down if they feel he needs more development. I'm actually going to start the ball rolling on this one. And, you know, I was asked this on, on KNBR the other day. You know, what, which of all those needs that I, I think is the most important? And personally, I think it's the rotation because everything starts with the rotation, even in the era of the juiced ball. You know, I, I think that you, you start with the rotation. That take, you have a good rotation. That takes pressure off the offense. They don't feel like they have to score nine runs a game. It takes pressure off the bullpen. Uh, because uh, you can use them less and they don't have to be overworked. takes pressure off the catchers, takes pressure off of everybody. So I know everybody loves offense, but the Giants had a really good offensive team this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I think getting Smiley and, um, and Gausman back, to me, and then having Tyler Beattie maybe come in and compete for a job and you know maybe make, make sure that Logan Webb develops well and, and you know make sure you keep Tyler Anderson one way or the other. To me, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, it starts with the rotation. I think the most intriguing
0: need, according to Zaidi, his list of needs, is the catching situation. You thought that this team had the best depth in baseball. Well, we need another catcher. Why? Because Joey Bart is not ready to be a big league catcher. That's why. Because he hardly played in A, never played in AAA. And they obviously think that he could use some work uh, beginning next season. You know, it's going to help with Buster Posey for six weeks in spring training, but he needs the everyday, uh, you know, journey that that even Posey got. Posey had a, quite a few more plate appearances in the minors before uh, getting called up. And it, it was just so goofy with Bart, you know, the injuries and, and the fact that uh, he spent all that time in Sacramento where are you really developing? I don't know. Uh, you're facing the same guys every day, but – uh, to have him start in Sacramento next year—that would be a huge story. It would, it, <laughs> it would, be, because they don't think that he is ready, and we saw in many ways that he wasn't. Both offensively, he struck out too many times. He didn't walk. Uh, every once in a while, he got some pop. He never did hit a home run. And defensively, the man just couldn't figure out Johnny Cueto. And Johnny Cueto is going to be back for another year.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless they unless they trade him, um, I want to throw a name out at you for catching. You know who might might be a, a possibility. Uh, somebody who was brought up to me actually by a fan. It was a good call, Jason Castro. Hmm. Jason Castro is a pretty good defensive uh, catcher. Went to Stanford from Castro Valley, left-handed Castro option, Valley. <laughs> left-handed option. You know to counter Posey's right-handedness. Um, what do you think? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, Jason Castro or even Stephen Vote. Remember him? Oh yeah, yeah, Stephen Vote. I remember him. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It's yeah. be interesting that the, the the Diamondbacks have an option on him. I mean, uh, one of the reasons one of the reasons he went there was because they were well, Diamondbacks were willing to give him the option, and the Giants weren't. They're both older guys. Castro is thirty three. I think votes, you know, maybe a little bit older or oh, around yeah. the same age. Um, but you have you have some names too that uh, you know for various positions. I mean, you just toss these out there. I I don't think you're saying that this is who the Giants are going to get. But there's one name I've always thought. Would be great to have in a Giants uniform, and people are going to screech when they hear it, Jock Peterson. Peterson. Jock Peterson, <laughs> I think he would be fantastic. I think You're, your your
0: fellow award winner,
1: my fellow Jewish Northern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame inductee last year. I was on the stage yes. with him. Um, that was a great night, great dinner. But and I mean, he told we, you,
0: Henry, I, I'm going to play for the Giants in <laughs> 21.
1: No, yeah, that you know, I I didn't bring it up, but uh, he's a free agent. Uh, he's a left-handed bat. Uh, he's really good defensively. Uh, he, I mean, he's a guy who he's, he's super, super intense. I mean, he's he's the anti Yastrzemski in terms of his you know body language on the field and whatnot. Um, you, you think the fans would be able to get over that, the fact that he you know he wore blue all those years?
0: Yeah, I think
1: there was a lot of the
0: fan base uh, in spring training saying, uh, bring in Puig. If you remember that. Who's that? Uh, well, a couple of them. Um, yeah, but John Peterson, and he's maybe he's a Kepler kind of guy. He's a Zaidi kind of guy. He kills right-handers, although right. this year he just didn't hit. Um, the local guy, Palo Alto, and he crushes the ball. He, I mean, McCovey Cove could, could be his daily target. Um, yeah, yeah. And he, he's such a personality, and uh, you probably hate to play against him, love to exactly. play with him, that kind of guy. But I, I like that idea. Now we heard from Zaidi they they want another left-handed bat. Right now, if you look down the free agent list, there's a kid across the bay, Tommy Listella, who's who who could do what they wanted Pablo Sandoval um, and Jay, and and Smoke to do, uh, and that's like uh, come up as a left-hander and and hit the ball and maybe play some third base. Uh, Smoke wasn't going to do that, but Pablo didn't do much of that but you know this guy could play around the infield and does bat left-handed now I don't know if the A's are gonna let go of this guy because he's been so valuable
1: yeah Billy uh, Billy yeah Billy talked about him like he he's a god you know so I mean I don't know if that's a negotiating tactic if it is it's a bad (laughs) one uh but yeah uh you know there's another another infielder who um who's left-handed who could fit the bill too uh, Brad Miller. I mean, that's a guy who can also play a little bit of outfield. He was uh, he was with the Rays, and he's actually in the playoffs right now with the the Cardinals, I believe. That's another name. Um, hmm. You know, in the bullpen. You speaking. Uh, you know of A's, You brought up a, a, a. You know, they need right-handed relievers. There's a free agent named Blake Trinan who's going to be out there. Now you've and probably Alex, seen. Yeah, you probably well, seen more, more. I'm sorry. Well, no, and Alex Colome, two two of the big closers.
0: Obviously, they're going to be big money guys, or are they? Our teams, maybe guys like that would just fall to the Giants because they would spend a dollar more than the next team. Or they realize, hey, it's not a bad place to pitch, uh, you know, especially with Hendricks who uh, digs the Bay Area and all that. But um, how many teams are going to be wanting to spend a ton of money on closers? Yeah. $60 million over four years. Well, it ain't going to happen. And those two guys are just so elite and would just, like I said, solidify everything in that Giants bullpen. But, um, you know, they're both, uh, you know, Hendricks is like 31, you know, no problem. He's, he's thrown 97 and he's got the mentality. And the Giants didn't really have a guy who had that closers mentality, but Hey, you know what? They could go more on the cheap and get Blake Triman, who yeah, was no, fantastic a few years ago, yeah. but kind of is more of a setup guy now, but maybe he's a guy who could, return. I mean, there are a number of pitchers, um, you know, they're not going to go to the top end guys like Trevor Brower or Bauer or, uh, or, or, or Stroman or any of those guys, uh, you know, Mike Minor, left-hander veteran guy, you know, Robbie Ray guy, you know, they, they could get guys like they always get, you yeah, know, it, it's uh, like buy I'm, low and expect yeah. high.
1: It, it's like, uh, you know, even if they don't get uh, Gausman and Smiley back, you, you expect Zayde to be able to identify the next, smiley or Gaussman. Mm-hmm. uh you know mm-hmm. well um we we've uh, the sound of the uh gardener using a leaf blower right outside my window to interrupt this podcast and the note that uh if we do this any longer then zoom is going to charge us money <laughs> signals the end of this giant splash podcast i thought it was i thought it was interesting and uh you know we'll do we'll do more of these there's a lot of topics we didn't cover here and uh i know you're going to be uh you know doing some more stuff on the uh the postseason with the A's. Maybe I will too. Uh, so uh, great to great to be able to do this, John. And let's do it again real soon.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. This was fun, Henry. Thanks.
1: The Giant Splash is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Podcast producers are King Kaufman and Alan Johnson. The theme song "Batter Up" was written and performed by Lauren Gold and Ray Eastless. Support the Splash and all of our great journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.